such an honor and a privilege that we could be gathered together in this place once again Lord in your presence for us to be gathered together with each other it's it's an honor and we so enjoy that but if it wasn't any more than that it wouldn't change us forever but when we're gathered in your presence if we will come with the right attitude every time we come we'll get something that'll make us a better person. Make us, Lord Jesus, where we can be more like you. Understand your ways, your word, your call on our lives. Fathers, we've gathered here tonight. We pray that you would just help us. Anoint us, I pray, with your spirit. Open our understanding, Lord God, to more of you. That we though we might stumble in our humanity. Help us to look beyond tradition. Help us to look beyond what we think about this or that. May we look into your word that it may change us more into that image of what you want us to be. Help us tonight, Father. We pray that you'd be mindful, Lord. There's many that are battling different things, flu and some with the COVID again and various things that are going around, but we're just asking you, Lord, that you be mindful of all of those. Touch the sick, Lord, those that have had surgery, those that are facing various things in their lives. Be mindful of them tonight, we pray, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, how are y'all? Wonderful? Well, praise the Lord. How many of us are less than wonderful? Some of you? Well, you're less than wonderful, all right. Well, it's an honor for us to be gathered together, you know, even whenever we're going through things and facing so much difficulty and things in life. Where would we be if it wasn't for the Lord in our hearts and lives? I said it to you many times, and I'll probably keep on saying it as long as you'll let me preach to you. I don't see how people live without him. 
I don't see how they do. I know they do. I know they do. And they think that they've got this great, fine, wonderful life. But I'm so glad I can't even walk without him holding my hand. I wouldn't want to live one day without him. God bless you. Let's turn to the book of Revelation tonight, chapter 18, verse 17. Now, I was supposed to be in Kansas this week. supposed to left Monday uh, to go hunting. But with all the work there is to be done over the church, I thought it would be more beneficial for me to stick around here and do what little bit I can do. But Brother Andrew Glover was scheduled to be here on Sunday, so I thought we'd just let him come on back and be with us anyway. So you'll get to hear a good preacher on Sunday. And a young one too at that. God bless you. Let's read together. Revelation eighteen seventeen. For in one hour so great riches is come to naught. And every shipmaster and all the company in ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, alas, listen to this now what they say, alas, alas, that great city wherein we were made rich and all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness. Now listen, how much of this is tied to her? I'm convinced we don't know how much she does. For in one hour is she made desolate. Rejoice over her. Wow. So some people are crying. Some are lamenting. Some are wailing. Some are just saying, alas, alas, what are we going to do? Oh, what are we going to do? But look in verse 20. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles. So we got people on the earth that's acting one way. And we got people in heaven that's acting another way. I guess the question is tonight, which are we going to be? Now, once again, it proves to us that the people of the earth that are carnal-minded so miss how God thinks about certain things. How could one thing that would make people wail and lament and cry, and then other people are rejoicing? And again, it proves to us that when God wants it to be so, that he enlightens people in heaven to things that are happening on the earth. I'm sure he doesn't to all sorts of things that we go through. But I want you to notice this. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. So they are to rejoice because God is getting back at them. And God is getting evil with this city this woman, this power that ruled the earth. May the Lord bless his words. You may be seated. Now, for the most part, it's hard for us humans. Whenever we think about revenge or avenge, being a vengeful spirit, and we know that the word forbids us 
from being revengeful. The word forbids us for wanting to have an attitude that where so-and-so do something to us, we're going to get back at them. And if it's the last thing I do, I'll tell you one thing, I'll get back at them. Well, you know, the Lord does not want us to have that attitude. But yet, God can have that attitude. And when he does, it is so pure and so holy that God considers it to be righteous. Now, for us, when we look at it, why? Because the difference is, and his being God and us being merely humans that are still contaminated with the things about us that want to get even with people in the wrong attitude. But yet, notice what a strange thing that this is. So this is, of course, during the time of the tribulation period, very, very close to the end of it. And the heavens are so in tune with what's going on the earth that God actually lets a voice come out of heaven. And heaven is told to rejoice because explosions, annihilation, destruction. This city has been destroyed in one hour by an atomic bomb. People have lost their wealth. They have lost nearly everything that they would own. And heaven is supposed to rejoice over such a thing. How can that be? Isn't that the wrong spirit? No, actually It's not the wrong spirit. But now, for most of us, if someone would do something bad against us and we would hear that they had a car wreck, we'd say, I knew it. I knew it. They shouldn't have never thought that about me. They shouldn't have never said that about me. But isn't it amazing, though, if we have a car wreck the next day, that old devil, I'll tell you what, he nearly killed me. That old devil's after me. Well, How do you know which one was the devil that caused them to have the one and the other and God caused them? So you see, there's still something about our humanity that is not yet attained to that purity of being able to revenge the way God can. Now, I'm sure there's nobody here like that tonight, but there's some pretty low-down people that stream these services. So I'm sure that somebody needed to hear this tonight. So you goodly little darlings, you just sit here and, and pray for me while I have to deliver this to them sorry outfits that stream in this service. And maybe I'll be able to get to the angelic choir and something that you little darlings can rejoice with. Ah. Uh, You know, it's amazing because heaven, I I can't say that I understand how and when the transition is made. But as we come to the close of the end time here before going into the millennium, the heavens are commanded by God to start rejoicing. And it's synced up with things that are happening on the earth. Now, I believe that heaven is, is absolutely in tune to things that are going on on the earth. As a matter of fact, the prophet tells us that whenever we get ready to leave this world, that God will send one of our loved ones down to the river and they will be waiting for us. Now, how do they know that? They're in the sixth dimension. God's in the seventh dimension. But there's still communication that goes between the sixth and the seventh dimension. 
and the person living here on the earth, contacting the earthly home, and yet the father knows they're fixing to cross over. So what does he do? He sends a message to someone, a loved one, in the sixth dimension, and they come down from the sixth dimension, wherever they are, to where they themselves crossed over at the River Jordan. And there they are waiting for that son, that daughter, that brother, that sister, whoever it was, by command from God, and they are there to welcome them on the other side. Now, I know that heaven communicates and knows the things that are on the earth. The angel of Revelation 18.1, whenever he sound his message of come out of her my people, then the voice from heaven in verse 4 echoed and began to say the same thing from heaven. So we know that God is absolutely synchronized with what is happening on the earth. But I'm sure heaven would not be heaven if they were aware of all the anxiety and all the trouble. How in the world could they enjoy being there in this type of body of theophany if they knew we were still here and we were sick and we were suffering and we were going through all kinds of different things. So no doubt the Lord only allows certain things to be conveyed to them. And you know, Brother Brandon would mention it many times. I heard it not long ago. And there was a man that come up in a prayer line and he had a, he had a need in his body, but yet the man was not saved. And the prophet told him, he said, your mother has gone on before you and she prayed many prayers for you and tonight they're being answered. Now God, Brother M didn't even know the woman, but God knew the prayers of this woman and her son had come up for a need and God was answering the prayer of salvation. Now we know that according to the book of Revelation that the prayers of the saints are stored up. I'm so glad of that. They are stored up. Now you may think God didn't hear you. Well, there may be a prayer of a mother that had prayed for a son or a daughter. That prayer may be stored in a vase, as we'd say, in heaven for 20 years, 25 years, 40 years, 45 years. Who knows how long it'll be? But God will hear and remember and honor that prayer. Now here stands this man on the earth and the prophet tells him of a prayer. How did he know that? How did he hear that? Well, that prayer was kept in heaven and God communicated by vision the prayer that had been stored up and revealing it to the prophet as he's standing on the earth in the realm of the fourth dimension as he's seeing this vision. So it will be something similar to that as we see the end time events. Now heaven is so close to being burst upon the earth. Now we know that when the bride takes, takes her flight and leaves out of here, then there'll be no more blood on the mercy seat for the church ages. They will be totally done. We know that 144,000 will be called by the overlapping mercy of God that's been given under the dispensation of Esther and the bride and Ruth and the bride. And God be dealing with them and sealing 12,000 out of each tribe. But remember, it will be such a short span of time as far as heavenly time is concerned. It'll only be three and a half years. That'll be less than that to God. 
So it will be so fast that the events on the earth will be so in tune with what is happening in the heavens that several times during the events that happen, the heavens are told to rejoice. Now, I'm sure that even those of us that are enlightened by the end time message still do not see properly how God views this system which he has spoken so against down through the church ages. Now, remember, it's not always necessary to the people that are called inside of there because the voice of God said come out of her my people so it shows everybody in there was not part of that system by nature they were simply caught as it would be an eagle in a cage but they heard the voice of God and they came out of that so keep in mind when you say well this person's a Baptist this one's a Catholic this one this that and the other well they may be that as of tonight but you have no clue what they'll be this time tomorrow so the Spirit of God can be able to reach in there and get them just like he did many of us. Now what you notice three times heaven is actually told to rejoice. And the first time in the book of Revelation is actually Revelation 12, 12. And that is when Satan is cast down. And the second time is in Revelation 18, 20, whenever Babylon, which is what we just read, is going to be destroyed. And then the third time is when the marriage of the Lamb is declared, which is Revelation 19, 7. And the men of the earth never have the same point of view as heaven does. You know how blessed you are tonight. If you see things the way that God sees them, you ought to be one happy individual. Because most of humanity on the earth, just the other day I read and I saw a picture of the eight billionth baby that was born on the earth. You imagine the earth's population has reached eight billion. And they had a picture of this little baby and it had on its little, you know, its little outfit and it had eight billions written on there. Eight billion people on the face of the earth. Wonder how many out of eight billion know one little thing about the real truth of the end time message. Now a lot of them believe in a God. A lot of them believe in many gods. Many of them are polytheistic. Some of them are monotheistic. Some of them Trinitarian. Some of them all types of denomination. But I wonder how many of them really, really know the God of the Bible. That he's the resurrected Lord Jesus. That he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So here we sit tonight, not because we're any better, not because we deserve it, not because there's something great and wonderful about our family or our personality but it's simply one thing God chose you before the foundation of the world that he might be able to share his personal truths with you you're one blessed person tonight so whenever the people on the earth, for the most part, they will always be out of synchronization with God, just like it was in the days of Noah. One man catches the message from God. Almost everybody else on the face of the earth was absolutely, totally wrong. It's been that same scenario over and over again. And yet here we sit tonight by the grace of God and we are synchronized so in tune with heaven 
that one day we will feel a sudden change that will surge through our bodies. We won't get a text, we won't get a WhatsApp, it won't be on Instagram, it'll be so fast, Instagram will never be able to catch it. It'll never be on social media, but you will be so in tune with God by your new birth that all of a sudden your cells will start obeying that great mighty voice of God. And your tissues and your muscles and your bones and all of a sudden the blood will dissipate out of your body because flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom of God and your gray hairs will go out. If you ain't got no hair, they'll come back. And if you got false teeth, well, guess what? You're gonna get brand new ones. And you're gonna change in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. Why? Because you were praying at that moment? No. Some of you may not be praying. Some of you may be asleep. Some of you may be at work. You may be brushing your teeth, eating your breakfast. And all of a sudden, because you are synchronized to heaven's voice, something will begin to happen in you. And you're scared to death that you're gonna miss it. You ain't gonna miss it as long as you're synchronized with heaven. How can you miss it? You are the very reason that there is a rapture. I have no fear of missing the rapture. I never get up one day of my life and say, oh no, did it happen? Did it happen? Why, of course not. I'm still here. I'm still here a mortal and it ain't happened yet. When it happens, I'm going. Not possibly, not perhaps. I am guaranteed. Why, Brother Donnie? I've got the token in my life. He cannot leave me here and I'm synchronized with what he's saying. I'm synchronized with what he's doing. So when the rapture transpires, I'm gonna be synchronized with that. But the majority of the earth is always so out of context with what God does, what God thinks, and what God says that they never know his move until it's way, way out and they miss it a million miles. Oh, we're blessed tonight, church. Now watch, heaven itself is told to rejoice as these events happen. And yet, you know, I hope you understand this, judgment is actually a vindication of the righteousness of God. Judgment is a vindication of the righteousness of God. So the voice said, rejoice over her, O heaven. Now, while the other people are crying, lamenting, they're sad, they're tore all to pieces, but yet heaven is told to rejoice. And now at the same time that this event has happened close to the end of the tribulation period, the people on the earth are lamenting and crying and going on as we heard. And yet the people of the heavens, while they're going and enjoying the marriage supper of the Lamb, they are interrupted momentarily and they are told to rejoice. Well, why are they rejoicing? Because the Lamb is there? Nope. Because the bride is there? Nope. Because the city's been prepared? No. Because victory is coming to its ultimate goal. Now, again, I'm sure that we still don't see this in the way that God does because it was so great that the saints of God that are now there in their glorified bodies and whatever we'll be doing for three and a half years, the Lord God brought that to a halt for a moment and tells us to rejoice because of something that happened on the earth. And it wasn't a virgin birth. It wasn't when Jesus got up at the resurrection. It wasn't when the Holy Ghost come on the day of Pentecost that this happened. We don't have any record that this happened when Jesus got up from the dead. We don't have any record that they were told to rejoice when the Holy Ghost come on Acts chapter one. We don't have any record that when the Spirit of God began to move and the Lord Jesus ascended up into heaven. But isn't this strange? When the great city is destroyed, 
destroyed and annihilated, the people in heaven are told to rejoice. You know what that tells me? That tells me we need more understanding of how God is looking forward to this hour of destruction of his greatest enemy that has been on the earth as far as a government or a system or a move. Now again, I know we say, well, thank God we're not part of that system and we let it go with that. But can you imagine that heavens are told to rejoice? So this is said now from a voice which is coming from heaven itself. And it calls upon the elect of God which are there in heaven to rejoice. Over what? They've just been blown away. They have just been annihilated by an atomic bomb and the people in heaven are told to rejoice. What a peculiar thing. What a strange thing. You see, part of our victory is tied to him being crowned once he consummates all of this when it's gonna be put under his feet. Don't you understand? He cannot be brought into being the son of David. I was awakened early yesterday morning and I turned over and looked at the clock and it was 5.03. I laid there and I was thinking a little bit, praying for different ones that were sick. And as I lay there for a few moments, the Lord deals with me sometimes early like that. And as I lay there, I heard the voice of the Lord say this. The sure surety of the mercies of David. The sure mercies of David. The sure mercies of David. I knew that that was a scripture, but I could not remember exactly what it said. But whenever I got up, I got on my phone and I began to look at it and I found it in Isaiah and I also found it, of course, in the book of Acts in the New Testament. And it was God telling of the covenant which he had made with David and I realized that it was the mercies of God of why after David did all he did that we've been looking at that God did not blot him out. And God so identified it that he called it the sure mercies of David. But yet you realize that mercies are not extended to everybody on the earth in that sure way. How is it that David did not lose his covenant? Now he lost his joy. He lost much of the great things, health of his body and things like that because of the sin that he was in. But he never lost his covenant because it was an everlasting covenant that God made with him. Even so identified it and called it the sure mercies of David. And when Paul preached about it in the book of Acts, Paul even and quoted that and identified it with the Lord Jesus in the resurrection and placed it as if Jesus was the greater son of David himself and applied that sure mercies of David to the resurrection of our Lord. And yet the Lord Jesus cannot become heir to the world until all these enemies are placed under his feet. Remember what he said in the Psalms? He said that he would give him his enemy for his footstool and that he would place him under his feet. And he promised David of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. God saying this, of the fruit of thy body while I sit upon thy throne. Well, the, the annihilation of this church, of this city, of this power is one more thing of him coming closer to the millennium reign. Oh, how he's been longing for it. Now, can you imagine that he's now going to execute judgment upon them and it's righteous. And he said, you holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. 
He has judged her with the proper judgment. Now notice in Revelation 18, 24, and in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. Now this is another reason for her destruction. It's not just because of all the money and all the commerce, but in her was found the very blood of the saints. And how was that? Because she through her system, through her governmental power, and control has issued the death of many a child of God. And because of that, won't you notice what was in her cup when John saw her on the scarlet colored beast? And it was a cup, but it had what in it? Not wine so much, but the blood of the saints of God. And God is holding her guilty now, and now her time has come. Therefore, because she had drunk of that blood, it shows by what she is drinking what her destiny is. Well, if you and I are drinking of the cup of Laodicea, then I'm afraid our cup is gonna be filled with the judgment of God as well. But if we are drinking of the wine of the stimulation by revelation of the mercy of God, guess what your judgment's gonna be? It's placed over on Christ and you will stand there as being absolutely forgiven in the eyes of God and because of what you're drinking from your cup shows where you are. You've got the wine of revelation in your cup. You can't go through the tribulation. Where are you going? In the rapture because it's been revealed to you by the Holy Ghost and you are waiting on that revelation. And the church said, So notice that God is now going to avenge upon them. So the very beginning of apostasy, I hope you understand this, that the prophet said the Catholic church actually began on the day of Pentecost. Now he said they were the original church. Oh, not Peter, James, and John, but those that come out of that and identified themselves as saying they were apostolic. Yeah, right, they're about as apostolic as I am a groundhog. They're not original apostolic at all. Is that right? No, they think they are, and they think they got a right to change the Bible, but they don't. They don't believe what the apostles taught or wrote or preached. They don't do it at all. But yet they claim that, and because they claim it, God will judge them for the claim. So God says, and all that were slain upon the earth. Now we know as far as individuals, they didn't kill everybody, but they killed many, many of them. And at their declaration and their decree, they had many of them killed down through the ages. And we know through the Spanish Inquisition and the Jewish Inquisition, many different ones by the Catholic Church. And they thought they'd got by with it, but they haven't got by with it at all. Now notice in Revelation 19.1, And after these things, notice this, after these things, what things? The thing that we just saw here in Revelation 18. After these things, I heard a great voice of much people. Notice what they were doing. In heaven, I heard a great noise of much people in heaven. Now notice what these people were doing after these things were done on the earth. So here had come an atomic bomb and annihilated Rome and all these people were weeping and crying and going on the office ever was and after all of that happened on the earth, then John said, I looked up this way and after those things, I heard a voice of much people. Praise God, saints, you were right there with them. I heard a voice of much people and listen to what they were saying. They were saying, hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor 
and power unto the Lord our God. So after the angel had declared the fall of Babylon, you imagine this must have been pretty important to God because we're all just up there fellowshipping and enjoying the blessings of God, sitting around the marriage supper of the Lamb and just talking about the goodness of God. My, this is a glorious time for us. But all of a sudden, while we're doing whatever we're doing, we hear this voice that says, hey, saints, rejoice. Rejoice, and we say, okay, wow, yeah, that's what we do. We did that on earth. We're really good at rejoicing. So what are we rejoicing about? An atomic bomb just fell on your enemy. An atomic bomb just annihilated this Roman Empire. An atomic bomb just destroyed it, which means your husband is closer to his throne. This is, oh, glory to God. This is just one more thing that brings him closer to his throne. What are you talking about, Brother Doc? His millennium throne as the son of David. Notice, so the angel has declared that Babylon has fallen and then our response is supposed to be what? We're supposed to rejoice. Well, don't you see why that whenever we see a brother or sister delivered of a sickness or a disease or maybe an addiction or a habit or something like that, what should we as the saints of God do? We should rejoice in the Lord, should we not? We see a brother or sister of ours that's been bearing a heavy load or a real difficult time in their life and we hear that God's done something well brother Don it wasn't me you should rejoice with them because they are your brothers and sisters now heaven is going to be so moved and heaven itself is so moved by this destruction on the earth that this voice reverberates down through eternity you imagine down to the universe and back and here they are the millions of saints of God and they are rejoicing because of what? They were saved rejoicing because they got the Holy Ghost rejoicing because they were in the rapture Sure, rejoicing because Rome's been annihilated. Well, see, y'all, y'all ain't in tune. You're just sitting there saying, oh, okay, Rome's gonna be destroyed. Wow, Brother Donnie, that's really something. That's really something. It is really something. It is so important to God. Now, um, this voice that screams out of heaven and it's the, the way that the word that John used here to write is the, the terms in the Greek language, so powerful. And it's a voice that he's wanting them not just say, amen, amen, praise the Lord. Some of y'all get wild and bucks sometimes in church. You do this, you're just beside yourself. But John said, I don't want you to do this. I want you to scream, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, you mean we're rejoicing because people are destroyed? We are rejoicing because this kingdom has been annihilated, yes. Don't you understand how heaven looks at such things? I heard a great voice of much people in heaven. So the idolatrous city is destroyed. The idolatrous government is absolutely annihilated. And these people are in such unison with the will of God. And this universal joy is all through heaven. There won't be a half a dozen sitting here. Me and Brother Joel saying, well, glory to God. Hallelujah. And then this quiet Baptist section over here, they say, well, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen, that's right, glory to God. But here come this loud voice 
and they were worshiping and praising. And you know what they're all doing it for? Said, praise God, it has been destroyed. It has been annihilated. Oh, glory to God. I don't know about you, when I've been healed of a sickness in my body or somebody else that I love has been healed, I can rejoice. Oh, I can praise God when I know somebody's been delivered of something they're going through. You know, when you imagine when we get there and this happens on, on the earth and we are so in sync with God in heaven and what's going on that we will rejoice and say hallelujah. Don't drag out your handkerchief to cry. You ain't gonna be crying. You're not gonna be, oh, it's so sad. It's so sad. No, it is not sad. They had their opportunity and they turned it down. Remember, God is not mean. God is not unjust. And God would have never done this had they not spurned his mercy and his grace. Now, look at this, the word hallelujah. It means praise ye Yah. Praise ye Yah, J-A-H. Now, remember, David was the first one in the Old Testament to mention this name, Yah. And the first time it appears, David mentions it when he's talking about the wicked being destroyed on the earth. Wow. So David mentions this word, praise ye Yah, in the book of Psalms, and he's mentioning it when the wicked are going to be annihilated. Now it's amazing because you come from Psalms and then you come through many of the Old Testament prophetic books, they never mention it again. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, don't mention it again. Pauline epistles, do not mention it again. Where does it show up again? In the book of Revelation. So this tells me that at the end time, there's going to be a people that's going to recognize the kingdom is coming so close. It's time to praise ye Yah. Amen. Amen. So what is it? Praise ye Yah, or the better name we know it is Jehovah. Now, the Septuagint and also John takes those Greek words and puts it together like a contraction of the Greek letters and makes it an alleluia instead of a hallelujah. It is an alleluia. So what is it? We praise ye Yah. Now, the Psalms are divided into 10 sorts of songs, they say. But they say that this word, hallelujah, is the most perfect one because it is praise and yah in one compact form. So when you say hallelujah, you are praising Yah. And David was a praising man. Now I know we've been laying him pretty low in the last couple of weeks, but don't leave David in the pit because I'm telling you, David ain't in the pit. But I want to paint him like he was and then I want to show you how God brought him back out again. Oh, glory. And God still extended to him the sure mercies of David. Isn't that an awesome statement? You never find that being called the sure mercies of Abraham or the sure mercies of Isaac or the sure mercies of Jacob, but the sure mercies of David. So God did not leave him in that spot, but God raised him up and brought him out. No wonder the man could say, Praise ye Yah. Praise ye Yah. 
God because David could see himself as a sinner. He could see himself as one that fell away from the providence of God and the will of God. And what did God do? He reached right down to that muck and he got a hold to David and he lifted him out. Oh, brother, I can imagine. He was a shouting man. I'm telling you what, before that fall, but after he got renewed, I'd say they had a hard time keeping that guy in church, wouldn't you? He was probably so grateful that God forgive him. He was so thankful. Well, I'll tell you, I feel kind of the same way tonight. I'm so thankful that God called me. I'm so thankful that the Lord called you. I'm so thankful that the Lord give us the message of the end time. I say, praise ye y'all. Praise ye y'all. My, we spend more time praising the Democrats and praising the Republicans, praising our sickness. Well, the doctor told me this and the doctor told me that. My lumbago and my bursitis and my pneumonia and my this. What about your God? Why don't you quit claiming that old bursitis? Why don't you quit claiming that old whatever else you've got in your body and go to praising your God and you might praise your way right out of that valley. Praise your way right out of that trial that you're going through or you can sit around and feel sorry for yourself and never move. Mm. Oh, glory. Well, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm longing for the time when we're going to hear those four hallelujahs. I've heard a lot of hallelujahs in my life. I've heard them since I was a little 12-year-old boy. I didn't know what the word meant. I just seen my uncle and them at the church where I got saved. Glory to God. My uncle was a shouter. He'd take them feet like that and hold them hands up and go to speaking in tongues. I'll tell you what. Woo! He'd say. He'd shout hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, sir. He was, I'm looking. I'm planning on meeting him too. Yeah, you, you talking about no matter how low he was, if I'd get the guitar and I'd hit the right key and I'd sing, I would not be denied. Knuckle Harrow go to stomping them feet. I would not be denied. He'll go to throwing them hands up in the air and dancing around. Why? Because he loved the Lord. There's something about that song that ministered to him that he wasn't going to be denied. And I don't believe he was neither. But you know what? I've heard a lot of hallelujahs. I've heard them in Africa. I've heard them in India. I've heard them in Europe. Not as many in Europe. <laughs> I've heard them in England. I did hear a few actually in England. I've heard a few in Norway. I've heard a few there, but I ain't never heard them like I'm fixing to hear them before long because I'm gonna hear it from a bunch of redeemed people that are gonna stand there, hallelujah, in glorified bodies, no more trouble, no more heartache, no more sorrow, not one more day of a sickness, not another migraine, not another headache, not another belly ache, not another test, not another trial, not another heartache. Oh, are you talking about a group of people being able to say hallelujah, praise ye y'all, our God is mighty. Well, I'll tell you one thing, I'm not gonna wait till then. I'm gonna praise him tonight. I'm gonna love him. I'm gonna give him my all. What about you? Woo! I feel like praising him a little. Let me tell you one thing. Several, several weeks ago, I went over to the church and I was gonna lay some stone. I started about eight o'clock that morning and I laid till about 4.30, 5 o'clock that afternoon on the concrete floor. 
I couldn't hardly walk whenever I got ready to go to my truck. By the time I got ready to get in my bed that night, Carol had to help me into the bed. My feet were killing me. They were inflamed, the plantar fasciitis I'd been dealing with. Oh my goodness, I thought, Lord, what in the world am I gonna do? But you know what? In the last several weeks, I've been over four and five days every week, sometimes eight and 10 hours. I was there this morning at 6.30 and been laying stone, been staining, been doing this and that and the other on the concrete. I think it's time I give him a great big hallelujah. Oh, glory. Why he's moved for me. Well, has anybody else in here got something to praise him for? Has anybody else in here got something that God's moved for you so many times? Not because you was worthy. Not because you was good. It's because he's good. Not because we're good. But because he loves us and he loves to manifest himself. Oh, they'll still bother me a little bit. But a little bit's better than a whole lot. I'm on my way out. Oh my goodness, I'm probably the only preacher that you know of that's been packing six pairs of shoes in his pickup because I I wear one pair for a couple hours and then I trade out and wear another pair and then I trade out and wear another pair to keep my feet from getting bad. But I feel pretty good right here tonight. You know why? Because the Lord is healing me. Now he could have done a miracle if he'd wanted to, but apparently he said, no Donnie, I ain't gonna give you a miracle this time, but I'm gonna give you a little dab of healing on Monday and another little dab on Tuesday and another little dab on Wednesday and I'm gonna get a little bit more on week one and week two and week three. Praise the Lord, I'm about on week four right now. Look out, devil, week five might be me my complete miracle. But I'll tell you, friend, when we as the saints of God realize who we are, where we're going, the little things of life shouldn't even slow us down. You understand the trials you go through is a sign of coming judgment to demons. Every test you go through, every trial, every disease that God puts under your feet is a sign of oncoming judgment to demons. They will not go unpunished. No wonder they said, hallelujah. After these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, hallelujah. Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. Verse three. And again, bunch of holy rollers. And again they said, Hallelujah. But notice the next words. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. Wow. So these people are praising God. And smoke is rising up. See, we have a hard time with that, don't we? We have a hard time synchronizing that. Remember, how can we rejoice over such? Why do we have that, that problem between us? We don't see his enemy the way he does. Again, they said, hallelujah. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. The Greek word there is anion and anion, which means space of time and space of time, not eternal. Oh, the devil will no doubt be the longest one that'll burn, and he may be down there for millions of years. Hope he gets added another couple of millions just for what he's put us through, don't you? 
just burn his old hide down there. All his demons with him. But it will eventually come to a time to when all of these people will cease to exist. Now people call us mean. Yeah, mean. And having no mercy because we preach election and predestination. And they say they're full of mercy and preaching eternal hell. So a person lives 16 years of their life and they go out and get drunk on their 16th birthday or 17th birthday and they die and they're gonna go to a lake of fire and burn for eternity for 17 years of sin and then you tell me we ain't got mercy? I say, you don't understand mercy. My God is a just God. He is not gonna judge a 17-year-old boy, an 18-year-old girl for the same amount that he's gonna judge the prince of the power of the air. That old boy has got a long time, I'm telling you. And I'm gonna be rejoicing when he gets thrown in, ain't you? I'm gonna rejoice whenever they lock him up with a chain of circumstance that he ain't got nobody in the millennium to be able to work through. Notice then when our hearts really get in tune with God, it's not that we look upon people and say, well, I'm glad they're going through this and I'm glad we're going through that, but we look at it in a higher form, in a God form, that God is bringing the kingdoms of this world in subjection to his word. I know some of you, it kills you because you're your party, whatever it is, your party's not the controlling this and this and that. You're wanting your party to make things better. It's too far gone. It's too far gone. I don't care who we get in the White House. The White House is doomed. Our nation is finished. Come on, saints. It's the truth. There's no hope for the nation itself, but there is hope for individuals. There's only one hope for this world, and that's the coming of the Lord Jesus. Now watch this. And the four and 20 elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped. Wow, what a peculiar thing to worship God over. People smoke. It's coming up and you're just having a spell. I mean, you're just glory to God. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And they just fall down, the elders just fall down. They say, this is awesome. This is absolutely wonderful. This is tremendous, this is great. This is a great sign of victory. Y'all sitting there looking at me trying to figure this out. This has been his enemy. And the throne is right before him. But he cannot take it as long as they rule. Notice this, and the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, hallelujah. In verse six, and I heard as it were the voice of a great, multitude and as the voice of many waters. Any of y'all ever stood at the Niagara Falls? Any of y'all ever stood at great, great waterfalls and did you hear that sound of all those millions of gallons of water coming over there? That, that roar and that splashing and all. I've seen some of the large rivers of the world and been in Africa and places like that and to see some of those falls, it's just absolutely breathtaking. And each one of those is a drop of water. So it's a drop and another drop and another drop and another drop. Now you take one of those drops out of that, that water that's gonna come down on the Niagara and you take that one drop and isolate it and let it make its sound. 
You probably wouldn't even hear it. You just drop that little one drop of water and you just try to listen, listen, when you're nothing. But you take it and it's brothers and it's uncles and it's cousin and it's grandma and it's nephew and it's great grandma and it's great nephew and it's third grandma and all that sort of thing. And you put them all together, then what do you get? And you may think your little voice ain't much. Well, it may not be much to you, but to him it's a whole lot. But you put yours with yours and yours and yours and yours and mine and then with yours and with that one. Then what does it do? And John heard all of these voices as they were thundering down there. Can you imagine? All the saints now in glorified bodies. That was Paul. That was Luther. That was Wesley. That was all the saints of all the ages. That was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all the elect of God. And they are told to rejoice. You think they had to be pumped up? You think they had to have a service later in heaven? All right, everybody, let's get into the spirit now. Let's everybody worship God. Clap your hands, and two of you clap your hands, and the rest of you sit down. All right, let's try it again now. We're here tonight to not be spectators, but participators. And boy, whenever that voice said, time to worship, they said, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. All right, it's time to worship. And it sounded like... And what were they saying? Hallelujah to our God. Hallelujah to our God. That same enemy that had us bound when we were down on the earth and he set us free, now he's broke that hold on the earth. We're fixing to go back down there and take the earth over. Why would not you rejoice knowing that the millennium is right before you? Oh, brother, sister, the whole creation is groaning for that. Oh, glory. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thunderings. Ah, mighty thunderings. But listen what they was thundering. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That wasn't thundering a theory or a doctrine or a church catechism, but praise ye Yah. Praise ye Yah. You think heaven is just gonna be all of us sitting around debating on the serpent seed? You think we're just gonna go down this avenue and you know there'll be two brothers over there and they're talking about serpent seed and you go down the other avenue and there'll be two more brothers so they got a different opinion on serpent seed and then you go on the other side of Praise Avenue where it meets Glory Avenue and there's gonna be three more brothers standing there and saying, I'll tell you one thing, I don't believe it. Well, he just, do you, do you believe it? No, I don't either. I know why I could say that. There ain't gonna be none of that there. There won't be no arguing. Boy, that'll be heaven itself, won't it? There won't be no difference of opinion. Nobody will ever shun you, and you won't never shun nobody. Nobody will ever speak one word about anybody there because there ain't no bad bodies there. There ain't no bad words there. There ain't no bad talking. There's never be one person ever standing on the streets of gold and gossip about another. Nobody will ever put their hand over their mouth and whisper to somebody else, and somebody walk down through there and get a complex because they just knew you was talking about them. And actually, it's talking about the price of Ajax between, between uh, Food City and Ingalls. And yet, yeah, you know how we are with our complexes. We see nobody looking at us say, he was looking right at me. Oh my goodness, when I walk by, if you watch him put your hand over my, you know, that, that's the way we, come on, don't sit there and look at me. That's the way we are. But we need a new birth, not only in our soul, but in our bodies. Our bodies need to be changed. Oh, praise God. There'll be no racial problems there. There'll be no political parties there. There'll be no differences. Think what a world this will be. Nobody will ever get 
get hurt. Nobody will ever get upset. Nobody will ever get mad. Boy, if I ain't enough to shout about. Nobody will ever get all bent out of shape and nobody will ever, ever be broke down. Nobody will ever be sad. It'll all be praise and worship and love and adoration and perfection and eternity and eternity and more eternity. And whenever you think you've come to the end of it, you find out you've just started. And you say, how long does it go? Forever, forever, it never stops. I just wish we could go tonight. Man, after preaching this stuff tonight, I don't wanna go to work tomorrow. Sorry, brothers, ain't nothing against you. Oh, hallelujah. Praise ye, y'all. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And they're just worshiping and praising. And hell is breaking loose down on the earth. And they're not necessarily praising God that people are annihilated. They're not praising God that these people are going through so much trouble. They're praising God that the end is so close at hand. And their husband is fixing to be the son of David. He's going to be crowned king. Hallelujah. The destruction of sin and the destruction of the man of sin. You see, it will reverberate. Can you imagine voices like that? All the way down, rippling down through eternity to the universe where it ceases to exist if it does and turns and comes back. That's what reverb is, reverberation. So in every room, you have an acoustic. Now this one here is pretty dead. So whenever I clap my hands, it's pretty much dead. But you go into a building, you can pretty well tell how much acoustics you got there. But you clap your hands in one, two, three, four, five, and that's how much soundproofing that you're gonna have to do. Can you imagine in heaven when the acoustics are absolutely perfect and all these millions times millions of voices begin to ring out and they begin to worship and praise and somebody brings out on a course and we'll begin to bless the name of the Lord and sing and all this is going on. We say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What's going on down in heaven? Nukes. Watch you mean y'all, y'all are rejoicing because the people got blown up? No. No. We're rejoicing because it's one step closer for us and our husband to get back our inheritance. Praise the Lord. Now remember, they're not doing this out of a vindictive spirit. They're not doing this because of revenge. They see somebody down there that they didn't like on earth and they see somebody that done them wrong. Oh, I knew they'd get it, I knew they'd get it. No, that's not their spirit at all. Now they're totally changed into his image. Oh, praise the Lord. Notice verse two. For true and righteous. Oh, now you see, this is where we have a problem. True and righteous are his judgments. Not his mercy, not his grace, not his forgiveness, but his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And they're rejoicing because of that. I mean, you understand we need help? 
You see, the calamities that come upon these people are rightly deserved. Rightly deserved. The Hittites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, all the Canaanite people, the seven tribes. God did not go in there and drive out a good, sincere, God-loving, God-abiding people and give their land to the children of Israel. They burned their children. They offered their children to Moloch, to Chemosh. They've done horrible, horrible things. And God judged them for it and took their land and gave it to the children of Israel. The children of Israel, several generations after that, what did they start doing? Burning their children, offering their children to Molech, to Chemosh. And what did God do? Drive them out and send them to Babylon. So it was just judgment. So now God is annihilating this enemy. Oh my. For he has judged the great horde, Jezebel, of course, Babylon, the Romish Antichrist. Mm -mm. Notice this. Let me bring it on down now. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Just a little bit of friendly advice. If I was you, I'd be good to everybody. Not just your friends, not just your family, those that you like. Now think what Paul said, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. So persecution is an affliction. Those who persecute us, those who laugh at your hair, sisters, your dress, those that laugh at the doctrines that we hold on to and hold us dear, those who make fun of us and run us down and so on and so on and so on. It's not just what they say about us in social media and what they do, but it brings a pressure in our spirit. It brings a tribulation, as it were, to our mind. What will they do? What will they say? How will they react? Now listen to what Paul said. You see, Paul had broke in to this understanding about an aspect of the righteousness of God that as I can tell from looking at some of you tonight you're still struggling with. Paul had broke into it to recompense tribulation to them that was troubling the saints of God is that God will trouble the troublemakers. God will trouble the troublemakers but he will relieve the troubled. Amen. I don't want to be no troublemaker to you. Well, I mean, except for the devil and for hell, of course, I do want to do that. You see, your trials are a sign of a coming judgment. Yeah. Someone is persecuting you. 
Now, many times it's people under demonic influence. They themselves are not necessarily wicked or evil, but they just get under the influence of an evil spirit. And they go to troubling you and harassing you and saying things against you, whatever more that it is. And it's like something that hangs over you and you just can't get over it. You know, sometimes it can be somebody you work with. Sometimes it can be a family member. It can be a friend. It can be all kinds of people. And yet they just, it's like they get joy out of troubling you. Anybody ever deal with anybody like that? Why sure you have. And yet it's something that you try your best to work around. you nice to them and you try to do whatever you can do just to calm them and settle them and it seems like nothing that you ever do makes any difference. Remember most of the time that's an evil spirit that is using that individual. Don't, don't hate them. Don't get angry and all upset at them. Just pray for them that God will have mercy on them helping to see that they're just an instrument is all they are. But notice what Paul said, the saying that it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. So God will punish, punish those who trouble his bride. Those who ridicule this message. Those who make fun of God's prophet. Oh my goodness. God will bring anguish and anxiety and trouble and if they do not repent, they will stand before God at the white throne and give an account for every word they have said against this word. It's righteous with God to trouble troublemakers. Sweet Jesus, I thought I was in trouble a while ago. I'm really in trouble now. Well, look, friend, this ought to make every one of us not be a troublemaker in our home, in our church, in the move of God, in our business, on your job. You know how it is? Some people, I don't care what you do, they are never happy. It just seems like they are born for adversity. And I don't care what you do. It's just they do, they're never happy. If you paint, if you put green carpet on the floor, they'll say, I didn't want green, I wanted purple. And if you put purple on the floor, they say, I didn't want that shade of purple. I wanted the other shade of purple. And if you paint the walls green, they wanted yellow. And if you paint it yellow, they say, I don't like that yellow. I wanted that yellow. I don't like this and I don't like that. And it seems like they're not happy unless they're causing trouble. But Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Oh, my. Now, Paul is speaking this from experience. And where this is written from, of course, is the city of Thessalonica. And remember that Paul had been driven from Thessalonica by persecution of a bunch of zealous Jews which hated him. A mob attacked several of the saints. Some of them were arrested, the children of God. Paul had to sneak out of the city by night. So Paul is speaking this from experience. I don't believe he was writing this now out of vindictiveness. I can't wait till God burns our hide in hell. I'll tell you one thing. He is declaring a decree from God. It is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Well, you see the word there, trouble, is this word, philipsis. The Greek word, philipsis. And it means great emotional stress 
caused by external or internal pressure. Great emotional and spiritual stress caused by internal or external stress or pressure. Let's stand. For real. The final destruction of the great enemy of the church was so momentous that God tells them to say hallelujah, and they do, a great voice out of heaven. Our smoke starts rising up, and they are so happy of what they see happening that they say it again. And then the voice of many waters. And then in verse 6, I heard a voice as of a great multitude, as the voice of many waters, a voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. They were rejoicing and rejoicing. Why? They saw their king coming closer to his crown. And they rejoiced. Oh, I'll tell you one thing, friends. I think we ought to rejoice more and complain less. I believe we'd be better off, don't you? Let me read this to you. This is the fourth time in which this is uttered in an expressive of the joy of the heavenly host in the view of the overthrow of the enemies of the church. And the occasion was so momentous in heaven, they just couldn't stop praising. <laughs> they just couldn't stop rejoicing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then they stopped, and somebody else started again. Well, hallelujah. And it was just catching. It was just like it was catching. And then they kind of calmed down a little bit, and they heard another voice say, I wish somebody would praise the Lord. And somebody said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mama. I wish... We'd become a little bit more like that. You ever get around anybody that you ask them how they're doing and 30 minutes later you wish you hadn't have? They've got their CT scan on their phone. They've got their MRI. They've got their brain scan, their liver scan, the pancreas scan, the gallbladder scan. They've got every scan. I mean, they tell you, and you say, dear God, I wish I hadn't even asked. And you, whenever, have you ever felt worse after being around people like that? You ever, wow, wow. So why is that? Because it creates that kind of an atmosphere. Well, I wonder if we'd be a little bit more contagious with praise and love and worship. Uh, don't you figure that's kind of contagious too? Wonder, wonder what service would be here Sunday if we come in here and Brother Aaron and some of you brothers and some of you sisters and you young sisters, you'd come in here and say, praise God, I'm so excited about the service. I'm just so happy. I'm just so excited. Oh, man, can you imagine now people that love football and all these things, you know, they're going to be buying tickets and they're going to be going out there to freeze to death and they got electric socks and they got electric shawls and electric ear warmers and electric hats and electric and electric lightning never struck it, blown, the smell the 
screams, wasn't it? They're sitting out there and they're gonna scream and rah, rah, rah. They'll paint their face red and green and black because they wanna look like their team and they'll jump up and down. The snow will be a flying. They'll drink hot chocolate. They'll do everything they can. Why? That's their God. They love all of that. And if they looked at us, they'd think them people's crazy. They jump up and the preacher's preaching. And they clap their hands and they say, hallelujah. What in the world's the matter with them people? We're getting a little bit of touch from the other side. Amen. And we've got something to praise him about. We've got something to worship him about. Well, I, I think if we would become a little bit more contagious to one another, we might rub off on the brother that's having a really hard time. Or the sister that's going through a little bit of a trial and she come to the house of God and God knew that she needed a little bit more of a tug than maybe what you did. You might be responsible for helping them through that. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? You stand before the Lord that day and say, you know what, you didn't know it. But that day there on Wednesday night there on the holiday inn and you come in there and you just made up your mind, I'm gonna praise him tonight. There's three or four of my children standing by you and they were so weary and they watched you raising your hands and it uplifted them. And you say, I ain't never done nothing for the kingdom of God. When you serve God's bride, you serve God. Say an encouraging word. Say a prayer. Be kind to someone. You just helped Jesus. How many of you would like to have been here when the Lord Jesus was here? If Jesus was carrying that cross, wouldn't you like to have been like the man that come up there and bore his cross? Wouldn't that have been, a, wouldn't that have been an opportunity? A privilege and the blood of Jesus on that cross, God on your back and God on your face. And maybe you and Jesus rubbed faces and the blood of Jesus, you got down off of there and you looked, and there was the blood of Jesus. You said, oh, my Lord, the blood of Jesus. He said, oh, what an honor. You'd never want to wash your face again. You'd never want to wash your hands again. Said, oh, if I'd have been there, Brother Donnie, I'd love to give him a drink. You can. Give somebody in his body one. If you give one of my disciples a drink of water, you'll in no wise lose your reward. Hey, we're not talking about just preachers. Don't look out preachers you can be kind to. Be kind to anybody in the body. Paul said, especially the household of faith. I like to say kind words to people in the drive-thru, especially when they get my order wrong, which is just about every time. So I just do what I tell y'all do. Just go ahead and give me what you want to, you will, anyhow. But you realize a kind word a kind word. I come through one not long ago and I'd ordered whatever it was and I pulled up to the window and the guy said, you ordered so and so and so? I said, no, I sure didn't. I ordered a pumpkin sandwich and I ordered, a, I mean, I went through a bunch of stuff and that guy busted out laughing. I come through there in a couple of days and he said, you want that pumpkin sandwich again? <laughs> now you see, it made him laugh. It made some of you laugh. You've been sitting there sour as I don't know what all night long. You never know what a kind word can do to somebody. Have we got enough goodness to spread it out? Have we got enough joy to kind of just spread it out? If you ain't got enough tonight, this is a good place to get filled with it. Won't you love him with all your heart? Let's bow our hands together. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your word, Lord. I'll be the first to admit, Lord God, I need your help too looking at these things. In my humanity, Lord, I, I would have a hard time being able to 
differentiate righteousness of being able to rejoice when enemy is destroyed. I would have a hard time separating the human feeling toward that. But I know when we are changed that we will be able to participate, I believe, with all of my heart. There are people here in this place tonight and many, many hundreds of thousands of more that will hear this service that will be some of the voices that will ring out in Revelation 19. Some of these people here tonight will be some of the very ones that will say hallelujah on that day. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, Father, we don't want to wait till then to say praise y'all. We want to praise you right now. Maybe some of them is weary. Maybe they've went through a hard time today, thus far this week. They got a terrible dilemma in their life, sickness in their body, whatever it is. But Lord, I believe we've still got so much to praise you for. We've got so many things to be thankful for, Lord. Things that you've done for us years of our life. Oh, Jesus, we worship you tonight, Father. We bless your name, Lord God. I pray you'll touch every heart, Father. Heal the sick. Lord God, we have many that are sick. Lord, Brother Melvin having his shoulder replacement surgery yesterday. Sister Ruby Blank and Father having that back surgery and her, her vertebrae. And Lord God, Brother Eugene Kennedy having to move him again to a hospice place today. Father, various needs from different ones that we've heard about today that are sick. Some with COVID, some with flu, some with this, that, the other. Father, would you just be mindful of your children? You don't promise us we'll be free from these things, but you promise us I'm the Lord that will deliver you from all of it. Well, Father, we believe your word. We claim your promise, Lord God. We worship you tonight, Father. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can we take just a few minutes before we go? just to be able to love him a little bit. Anybody in in here got anything that you could think about that you could praise him for? Maybe one thing or two or three, I mean millions, not just one, two or three million. Oh, he's been so good to us, friends. Look around you. Look around you. He's been so good. Think of where you were and where you are. Think of what he's brought you through by his grace. We got something to praise him for. Hey, sing something. Let's just worship him together just a little bit before we go. I know we got a set time to be out here, but we still got plenty of time yet. Let's just praise him just a little. You deserve the glory. Oh, yes, you do, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All the Come on, let's just praise Him now. We lift our hands. Yes, Father. As we lift Your holy name. Holy name. You deserve the glory. Everybody now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
what a mighty God Jesus is. We can testify what a mighty God, my Jesus. Hallelujah. What about it, some of you young people? Can we worship Him tonight? Hallelujah. What about some of you elders? Can we worship Him? Hallelujah. Heaven and earth adore Him. Oh, glory to God. Worship you, Lord. Oh, what a mighty God. I know He is. How many knows He is? Oh, glory. Lord God. Amen. Oh, heavens and earth adore Him. The bride of Christ we bow before Him. Oh, what a mighty God. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. Mighty over sickness. Mighty over What a mighty God, Jesus. my Jesus is. Somebody help me sing it. What a mighty God. Oh, what a mighty God. I know my Jesus. Have oh, bless your name. Bless your name, Lord God. Heavens and earth adore your Lord. As your people, we bow before you. What a mighty God, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord God, we worship you. We bless your name tonight, Father. Glory be to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We've got so much to thank you for, Lord. We worship you. Thank you for your mercy and your kindness and your goodness. Oh, thank you, Lord. How many's got so much to be thankful for? And I was just thinking about it today. I complimented our young people about going to the youth camp down in South Carolina and heard from several different ministers there. And I was thinking, you know, that John, when he looked there in heaven, John saw elders. And I was thinking of some of our elders that are here. I thought about Brother Gary Hara. 
I thought about Brother Byron Palmer. I thought about Brother Ken Ball. I thought about Brother Jack, Brother Calvin. Different ones that have been around for so many years. Just stable people that just love God. They may not preach. They may not want to get up and pray over the prayer request. But don't we appreciate good, stable people? How many times the Bible in the New Testament mentions the elders of the church? It was a great thing to have them. I thank God for each of you. I thank God for all of his blessings. We've got so much to thank him for. I thank God for you, Brother Joel. Come take service. Let's come back Sunday expecting the Lord to move. How many going to come with an expecting heart? Amen. Just believe the Lord will use Brother Andrew in a mighty way. God bless you. The curb-making people came on Monday, and they poured some more curb until the curb machine tore up. And then they worked on it for a couple hours, and the time they got it fixed, it's too late to call the concrete truck back. So they came back yesterday and laid a bunch more curb yesterday. And then it rained cats and dogs last night, so the cats and dogs landed on the parking lot, so they couldn't come back today. But they're supposed to come back Friday. So let's pray they'll be back Friday. So supposedly they can get done, we can get some dirt put in, get this, that, and the other took care of. We can say goodbye to the holiday end. Won't that be awesome? God bless you. When I think about the Lord, how He saved me, how He raised me, how He filled me with the Holy Ghost, how He healed me to the utmost. When I think about the Lord, how He Sing it as you go tonight.